Hi folks, this is John Curry. Welcome to another episode of the Secure Retirement Podcast. Today I have Jay Wolf sitting here with me and our friend John Dunwoody. You may recall John Dunwoody was on a previous podcast where he talked about his trip on something called the Great Loop. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask John to give us an overview of that. But also today, what prompted this rather impromptu, I might add, he was telling us about his next adventure next year with the Down East Loop. So I want John to tell us a little bit about the two, and we're going to pick his brain a little bit and learn some new things. So first of all, John Dunwoody, welcome. Good to see you again. Nice to be here. Um, well, John, the uh, the Great Loop was uh, about a 6,500-mile boat trip. And you can go around the east, go up the eastern United States, and you cut across the Erie Canal, go through Canada, Great Lakes, come down to Chicago, get on the Illinois River, Mississippi River, Tennessee River. Eventually, you'll come out in Mobile and uh, just see a lot of the historic towns in America on that trip. I had a great time doing it. How long did it take you to do that trip? Eight months. Eight months. And that's, most people take about a year, but uh, I did it in eight months. I, I rushed through Florida and Georgia. Didn't didn't take the time <laughs> to enjoy them. <laughs> well, you know Florida and Georgia pretty, pretty well. Pretty well. So it doesn't matter there. Now, how much of that was like continuous days in a row? Um, almost, well, every day we would, I didn't travel it overnight except for once one stretch on the entire trip and that would be from basically here in the panhandle down to tampa bay the rest of the trip every evening by six o'clock five o'clock i'm anchored and done but i would sometimes go as much as a week between stops at marinas to get fuel or water or something like that so i could be out a week and not go to a marina but during that time i'd stop and go to towns and things like that um but I would anchor out those nights and, and you know, use my dinghy to get to shore. Very good. Very good. So before we leave the Great Loop, what are some of the things that you could share with us that you got to see that were memorable for you? And tell us about some of the adventures, stuff that maybe did not go quite as well. <laughs> well, you know, what, just a lot of historic stuff on, on the trip. Uh, Almost all the old towns are on waterways. Going through the Erie Canal, there was um, poor memory. I can't remember which towns, but a lot of the revolutionary uh, uh, war sites there from where the British were coming down from the north to get to uh, New York and whatnot, crossing there. Um, there was uh, quite a few forts uh, protecting um, just north of Rochester, uh, protecting the waterways there. When you got over to coming down the Illinois River, I was walking through a town and they had a statue and they had the Lincoln-Douglas debates there. And I had remembered that from like fifth grade in high school, but mm -hmm. there it was. And uh, there were a lot of instances where things you had not thought about in years. And then you'd go there and like uh, uh, William Clark and all those, uh, <clears throat> half the towns we went to seemed like those guys were there. Um, it, there were Civil War sites starting in, in Kentucky, uh, a couple of forts there at the beginning with the Tennessee River and the Cumberland River. And then you got Shiloh, um, a huge battle in Shiloh. Um, it, coming coming down that, uh, that's on the Tennessee River and uh, why it happened and why the, the, the battle was there and not some other place. 
um, and all the way down to Mobile. Um, to seeing the Mobile has a large uh, industrial complex that built a lot of the new Navy ships there, and they're pretty neat to look at. Um, it's pretty much, uh, I had never been to New York. I anchored next to the Statue of Liberty for three wow. days, just uh, <laughs> very close to the Statue of Liberty, and you could take the dinghy in and then ride the subway over to New York and do all that. Um, it was fun just seeing a lot of new, you know, go go by West Point was very uh, memorable to me. Um, I'd always heard about it, but when you go up the river and you see it there, it's pretty impressive. I'm just sitting here feeling like that I'm reliving my history books, <laughs> listening to you. <laughs> it's 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 neat and um, just the old old towns in uh, in the Carolinas and, uh, you know, and all the stories about Blackbeard in North Carolina and uh, the towns that, that that he went to and uh, it's just a lot of history, just a lot. Uh, the canal, the the, the um, dismal swamp. George Washington was one of the surveyors for that canal. It's still there. Um, it's just it's everywhere. It's just stayed in Yorktown, um, where um, the British surrendered, ending the Revolutionary War. So, big deal. Amazing. Amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here like, wow, I, I just feel like I got a tour of the history book. <laughs> well, one thing that jumped out to me um, was the time frame that it took on this trip. You said you were gone for eight months. Yes, eight months. So, I own a boat. I'm a boat owner myself. Not quite as large as yours, or as many as amenities that I'm bored for sure. But I know that when I go out for even eight hours, let's say, I'm planning. I'm planning the night before. I'm thinking about what I need, what I need to do, things like that. What goes into planning these trips? By doing the great loop, by doing uh, the other loop that you were discussing, it's, it's, what is the planning that goes into that to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row before you actually get on that boat and set sail? Um. A lot of checklists. Um, you know, you want to make sure like I carry enough oil to do two, two oil changes, have the oil filters and all that stuff. I got all that on board. This particular trip isn't like you're going overseas across an ocean. You will be able to get groceries along the way, but you know, you still want to make sure you have all that planned. But I, I will have a general plan for the trip. And a lot of blank days in there because if it's foggy, you're not going to go. If it's windy, rain, whatever, you're not going to go. So you, you start out, I start out with a big calendar and have very broad, broad timelines, very broad. I mean, on this new trip on the Down East Loop, I'm going to get the boat in May in the Chesapeake. And the only date I have right now is to be in New York on June, in June. So I got 30 days um, to, to figure it out so that I can handle the bad weather and delays and stuff like that. And, um, and like, you know, I carry I, a lot of spare parts, but I do think about all those things that can break and all the things I'm going to do. But what I'll do is in the morning when I get up or that week, I'm never playing more than a week out, um, figure out where I'm going to be, where I need to be. I also have backup places to anchor or different marinas. Because half the time you'll get there, your reservations won't be honored. Someone else will have used them or whatever. So you always need to have a, a backup place to stay that evening, whether it's a different anchorage or different marina or whatever. You know, and you don't want to push your fuel, like a pilot, you don't want to push your fuel limit and get there and find out that that fuel pump is down for whatever reason. 
So you, you, you want to have some contingency plans in place. If the refrigeration or the freezer on the boat breaks, I got canned food. So if I have to do that, uh, but yeah, you, you have to, you, you spend a lot of time and most of that, the hard part of it is all done well before you leave. Um, and then, like I said, I, the spare belts and stuff like that for the motors and the generators, you have all that done. So yeah, you do, I spend a lot of time trying to make sure I can handle those inconveniences and, uh, and, and not get surprised. You said a few things I want to go back and, and get a little deeper in. So this upcoming trip, uh, the Down East Loop, that's going to take you how many months? A minimum of three, but it'll probably take me five. Okay. Let's just say five months. So you take a calendar out, mm-hmm. and you, you've you already told us you build a lot of flexibility in there. But just walk us through, first of all, what that loop is, and then talk to us about how you would pl- you go about planning for that. Okay. Let us hear that from the standpoint of, I got my calendar I know I'm going to do it in May. I want to be done by September, I think you said, or October. Somewhere in the Just end. kind of walk us through that, John. That, well, that's fascinating. Well, part of the reason I'm doing this instead of the Great Loop again is the, uh, the, the government's actually going to shut down the Illinois River for three months in 2020. And they're going to shut it down at the same time that all the people that do the Great Loop are going to want to go down the Illinois River. The locks are in such bad shape, they're going to shut the river down and fix the locks. So it'll be down for three months. So I didn't really want to stay in Chicago for three months <laughs> in, in September to December and, 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 and sit there. So uh, a lot of the people that do the Great Loop or other trips, there'll be more of us doing this down East Loop. That's kind of how it came up because I had heard it was a harder trip and blah, blah, blah. But uh, after looking at it and reading up on it, um, I think it'll be prettier than and more scenic than what the other one was. It'll also uh, won't be as crowded. So uh, I'm going to go. It starts basically in New York Harbor. You go up the Hudson River. And when you get to where the Erie Canal is, instead of turning off the Erie Canal, you just stay on the Hudson River. Go through Lake Champlain. And eventually you're going to come out on the St. Lawrence Seaway basically where Quebec City in Canada is, which is an encircled city uh, like they built in Europe. So I want to see that. I'll probably stay in Quebec uh, at least a week. Mm-hmm. And um, But so if I, le- if I leave the harbor in um, New York in June, I want to be in Quebec, I don't know, late June. And the, the goal from Quebec to Nova Scotia is I'm going to be in Nova Scotia about the middle of August, and it has to do with the fog, the number of fog days on the up there in Nova Scotia and uh, what's it, New Brunswick. It's a lot of fog. If you get there too early, there's like 17 out of 30 days have so much fog you can't go, and it's not like here where it burns off. I mean, it's foggy. It's foggy. All right, time out. So how do you know all that? So, you, so it's not just taking the trip. You had to do a lot of research reading, yeah. studying, or something. Yeah. So how did you learn all this? Well, stuff? from the previous trip, uh, I belonged to certain organizations, and they are always touting different things. And when you get on the, you start getting the blogs and stuff from the people that did the Great Loop, there's all these um, cruising guides. And so I sent away and got some cruising guides for the, the uh, Down East Loop and started reading that and started finding out my distances from A to B, which towns are more likely to have supplies, which ones have diesel, which ones have pump outs, 
blah, blah, blah. So you can kind of plan how far you can go before you need to pull in and what towns are likely to have the stuff you need. So you, in effect, had a guide, several yeah. guides or coaches who had gone before you, and you just simply had to plug into what they were doing. Correct. And then, and then you look at the stuff that they did um, and, and their little hints. And, it, it, you know, to me, because I, I don't speak French, and some of these smaller towns, they say they truly don't have anyone that speaks English. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that's what they're saying, that especially on the radio is difficult. Um, to understand what they're doing. And so going into marinas could be interesting, not knowing which way to go to get to your slip. Um, but then once you get to Nova Scotia, you're fine. Everyone speaks English. And so there's just going to be this strip from the basically the um, Quebec City up to the top there, uh, the St. Lawrence Seaway. And, uh, and so it should be good. But, yeah, I've got all those different uh, – I've got three different cruise books uh, with the mileage, what each town has to offer. Um, and you, you take all that into consideration. Uh, some of the cruise guides I used before and the people that wrote them were more of the uh, yacht club type. So if, you know, if how pretty the, the marina was was at the top of your list, it'd be a good cruise book, whereas someone else might write, and they had a much more keen interest on history and stuff. So if that was your gig, so you might pay more attention to their review of a town than the other guy's review of a town. Yeah, I don't see you caring too much about the Yacht Club. So no. And, you don't want to go to the history. And, and, and so you want to go that route, and, you know, you, you look at uh, people will say marinas, you know, uh, it's nice when you pull into marina that it has the things you want in it. To me, you know, I got to have laundry, mm-hmm. and I want to have some kind of entertainment, bar, music, something. Whereas other people, they just, you know, they just, that's not what they want to have. Like I said, the full yacht club type experience. Um, but uh, you know, you, you pull that out, and, and the grocery stores always a bit laundry and grocery stores. In bars, that's that's pretty, pretty much <laughs> pretty much you got to have those. But um, so you can find out what's in the towns, what's there, what you want to see. You know, if they have any waterfalls, hiking trails, all that stuff. So you plan ahead for each city, right? And basically, you become a tourist of that city. Yes, is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then you know, you, because you have inter- so much interaction with the people at the marina, you often can. You, you know, you, you run into these people, and often the boaters, you'll see these same boaters show up again and again, and so you start to build a camaraderie up with the other uh, cruisers that are doing this. So they can tell you, because they've gotten a marina, they've already been there a day or two ahead, they can tell you what they enjoyed or didn't enjoy, which was, was good or not good, So um, and vice versa. Um, and you team up, I have radar and all that stuff, so maybe there'll be a boat there that's scared about the fog or something, and want to stay close to a boat that has a radar and some other things. So cool. it'll be good. And it's the good. closest I can come to connecting with that is, uh, he just hit me, was my motorhome. Because I know when you travel by RV, you go to the RV camps, people look out for each other. You can open your hood and 10 people over there. You got a problem? Can I help you? It sounds like it's the same environment. Yeah, it is. And, 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 and if you do that, you'll see that if you're doing like national parks, you're going to run into Billy Bob again somewhere along the trip right. and so it's good i had a had a great time doing the great loop and the down east it will be um should certainly be as fun like i said it's supposed to be more scenic it's supposed to be a lot of whales and uh, 
That should be so, excellent. So let's zoom in on the down east loop. So you'll start where? I think you said in Maryland? Well, I, I'm gonna, my boat's in Maryland, so I'm going to spend between two weeks and a month cruising some parts of Chesapeake I haven't got to yet. I want to go to Philadelphia and spend a week in Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia. And then I'm going to come down to Delaware, uh, Delaware Bay, go around New Jersey, go up the coast, and then the actual start would be there in, in downtown New York and go up the Hudson River. And so from the Hudson, from there to where the Erie Canal is, I've done that part. But once I go straight and up through Lake Champagne, it'll all be new scenery and should be very, I've heard uh, Lake Champagne is beautiful. So that should be great and should be an interesting uh, boat ride. It's very low bridges, by the way, so I have to take my all my antennas down, my bimini down, all because I think it's 16 feet or something like that. That's a good segue to my next question. Tell us about your boat. What type of boat is it? How big is it? Because uh, you're listening to this and you go... This must be a monstrous sized boat. It's, it's not. It's a 36 foot Grand Banks. It's very old. It's a 1985. Um, it's four foot draft and um, thirty thousand pounds. But uh, I have two two staterooms on there, and um, I got air condition, refrigeration. I got all the stuff you need. And uh, but I go slow. Uh, top speeds maybe 10 miles an hour. But I I generally cruise about eight miles an hour. Um, I got a single engine on it, and um, I carry enough fuel to go maybe 1,200 miles between. So and it's, wow. it, it works out works out well. It's small enough, believe it or not, small enough for a, for me to handle by myself, and then uh, but I can carry up to five people very comfortably. Nice, nice. The for someone who's listening to this and says, you know. This guy's crazy. Going off on a trip like this, this long, all by himself. What would you say to that? John, I know you're crazy for doing this stuff. So yeah, I, I think it's a lot. We're, we're just, you know, I think people that jump out of airplanes are crazy. <laughs> I, I, but the people that do that don't seem to have a problem with it. I don't think this is, a, this is not to be confused with an ocean crossing or uh, something like that. These... I'm in the side of land. If there's a storm coming, I just don't leave port. Uh, you can get caught in a storm, and you need to have, be prepared for that. But essentially, you're going from uh, uh, one anchorage or marina to to another. You're not you're not having six days at sea with you know open ocean. So it's a lot safer, and it shouldn't be confused. I'm not claiming to be some you know ocean crossing guy. Um, so I don't I don't think it's that bad. Um, well, when you put it that way, I agree, because I, I, I lost sight of that, too. So you're telling me you, you're always within sight of land. The only place that, uh, for the essentially, I mean, you can get in the Great Lakes and get and get, get out of sight of land. And the only other place that you actually lose sight of land is uh, crossing from the Panhandle of Florida to Tampa. And that's the only overnight trip I've done. And it's just too far to go in a boat that goes eight miles an hour. You can't get from the Panhandle <laughs> to Tampa in 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 twelve hours. Uh, How long does it take? About sixteen, I think, is what it was. It was a hundred and I forgot, John. I think it's a hundred and sixty miles that from the points that I go to, and you just can't. I just can't get there in in, in a day in a twelve hour day. Just can't do it. So I have options. I could go to. Um, steam hatchy and stay a day and then down to crystal river but um i've seen all that a lot so having lived just north of tampa for 16 years i'm not in a 
was never interested. I just went straight across. Sure. And I've done that a number of times. Makes sense. So when you when you anchor, mm-hmm. do you stay in town sometimes or just always go back to your boat? No, I stay on the boat. Stay on your boat. Stay on the boat. So you got all your living quarters and everything right there. Yeah, yeah. I, so it, you got a mobile hotel. Yeah, I always stay on the boat. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, that's one of the things that uh, is starting to be a problem. There's so many junk boats out there where people get a terrible boat and they anchor behind these guys with million-dollar homes. So a lot of the states are starting to pass laws and regulating where you can and can't anchor and for how long. So that's going to be interesting to see how that affects things in the future. It's a big deal. So you're saying that's going to limit yeah. the number of places yeah. you can anchor? Yeah. Um, because the marinas will be closed down? No, because um, just so many of these people that don't want to pay rent for an apartment, they'll buy a junk boat for $700. Ah, and they'll go <clears throat> anchored out there behind somebody with a million-dollar home and live on it. And so Georgia's already got some laws, and Florida's working on it to stop it. There's a guy living in the St. Mark's River. Hmm. Just... Just, I think I know what you're talking about. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's interesting. Interesting. So. so, so tell us a little bit of some of the things along the way, whether it be something breaking down or something that messed up your schedule, um, weather, whatever. First time I went to uh, on the first trip, my engine had a uh, a leak in the um, high pressure uh, fuel pump, and I was leaking diesel into the block of the engine or into the oil pan and. Um, Got out there about, I was about almost 100 miles. And I had to try to come back at about a mile an hour, smoke coming up. And I checked the oil, and you could see that you see it wasn't oil. It was, and you smell it, and it was definitely diesel. I did not know where it was coming from at the time, but after I had it repaired, I found out that was the issue. Um, I just kept pumping the fluid out and putting more oil in, but, you know, and just kind of limped back home. So I did that. And, uh, the only other one to happen while I was moving was I had a um, uh, one of the belts came off the engine, and uh, right in the middle of the channel. So we anchored there, in the, right in the middle, and um, uh, had to go down there and change change the belt. And it took about an hour, and uh, people were not happy with me, but I couldn't couldn't do anything. <laughs> you were stranded. Uh, yeah, but other than that, you know, all the other problems we've been ashore, we've been able to get to anchorage or to a marina and get them resolved without. I mean, there's there, there's always something little. A fuse will burn out or something like that, but I don't recall with outside of those two a specific thing that caused me a lot of heartburn. That's good. That's amazing, actually, to, to take a trip that long, especially eight months and not have... Yeah, that's where you did all that planning ahead of time right. and you do all those maintenance things. I have a little checklist in the morning I go through before I go, go down and check all the stuff before I take off. So. Are you checking in with local Coast Guard and things like that as you travel? Or? No, um, they've got a, a number of uh, things. You know, I usually was on Facebook. I was telling people where I was go, would go, and also there was a there's a software program called Nebo N E B O, and you can log into that, and it'll track you and people on that that are members of these travel organizations are on it so everybody can see where you're going it tracks you it's a live tracking and they can see where you are how fast you're going the direction they they just pull you up so um no i don't let the coast guard but i do let someone know where i'm going to go um so yeah so what's next you're going to take this adventure. We're yeah. going to be doing more. I know when you first started telling me about this a few years ago, 
the game plan was buy your boat, mm-hmm. do the trips, mm-hmm. and maybe sell the boat. Yeah. So well, what's the latest? Well, I haven't done. I want to do this this trip up here. Um, uh, do this trip, the, the Downey Sloop. Do that, and I hope to bring it back to um, Jacksonville next winter, and then maybe do the St. Johns River next February, something like that, and then uh, come back up and see how I feel about things then. How far does the St. John's River go? God, almost to Orlando. I forgot the name of the little town. I haven't studied that one yet, but it goes, it goes, you can go a long way in it. In my boat, oh. I'm fascinated by this. I, I just, <laughs> John, I just can't remember the town, but it, but it's it's a good ways down there. A good ways down there. I mean, it's, you know, we're talking a month trip to go down there and back. So I'll do that. Uh, I have friends that fished a lot on the St. John's, and so they'll come and bring their bass boats so we can fish as we go. So that'll be fun. Nice. And uh, then I'll just see how I feel. Well, on that one, if you need a if you need a little helper, <laughs> let me know. I might want to go with you on that one. We can do some fishing together. So after that, what's next? I know I, you got other stuff planned. Well, <clears throat> I'm just going to see how that that all goes. Um, if that, you know, in the back of my mind, if all that went well and I still have a, a keen interest, um, I'd like to go to do the Southern Bahamas. Um, and there, now that would be a trip that's getting closer to a, a true ocean voyage. So I'd have to really uh, beef up some stuff and make sure I'm really ready to do that. Um, but I'd like to go down there, maybe go to the Caymans. I mean, to uh, what is that? Uh, um, Turks and Caicos. Okay. And that, well, you, well, what changes would you have to make? You said beef up. What would you well, have to do to I, do open water like that? I, you know, uh, I, like a little emergency bag, make sure you've got a, a ditch bag, they call it, that you have enough supplies in there that if something happened to the boat and you wanted to survive for a few days, you'd have something you could throw into the dinghy and get by and, you know, have that squared away. Um, probably want to um you know have my engine go through a, a better overhaul of that make sure that it just have have a true mechanic come down and check it out and make sure that i'm not missing something you know as, as i said in my trips i'm basically close to shore and it's a cat caterpillar engine i can get parts but if you go do that you know you could be two weeks from the next place and be a little more isolated so you'd have to increase your your backup supply and your stuff Uh, i'd have to uh, be a little more knowledgeable on my engine so that i could handle a few more problems um if they were to go go bad so that's another level yeah it is no it's it's definitely it's it's um it's, it's a little more remote and and you're farther and farther distances it's not like the northern bahamas where you got the abacos and there's people running around all over you get down there south of nassau and you start it starts to thin out pretty good there's georgetown but other than georgetown there's not a whole lot down there so but it'd be it'd be fun to do also you have to be concerned about the weather too yeah and then now you're farther out and you got larger distances so you're going to want to make sure that you know you, you've got the right uh, applications on your on your on your radar and all that that you can get those uh, updates so that you don't screw up and get caught somewhere. I want to tie this into retirement for a minute. We talked earlier about the concept of aging versus getting old. What would you say to people who 
it might not be boating, it could be anything. They've thought about doing something, I'm getting close to retirement, or maybe I'm retired. I keep thinking, I want to do this, I want to do this, but they're not doing it because either they're procrastinating, they're fearful. What would you say to those people? You have a microphone here, what would you say? You find something that you enjoy and, and do it now. You see so many people where they're either due to health or mental issues, you can't do it. It, it. Nobody's health is going to get better. You've got to go out and do it while you still can can function, enjoy it, um, and you know, st- and stay active. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is you're doing, but if you just you just got got to find your passion, do it, and stay motivated because you don't know what's going to happen next year if you're going to be able to do it or not do it. You just don't know. I keep that heart-shaped pillow there to remind me of my open-heart surgery, July 10th, 2008, 11 years ago, 11 and a half years ago. <clears throat> because you can sit around hoping, I'm going to do this, do that. But if you don't get off your butt and do something, you are going to get old. And there's a difference between getting old and aging. And uh, Art Linkletter and Mark Victor Hansen, their book written back in 2006, talk a lot about that. And I started reading it again. Uh, the last few days and it just hit me real hard that you know no matter how great we think we are I'm in pretty good health for a 67 year old especially when we had open heart surgery but I look at it and I go you know what I just had dinner with some friends last week he's 81 she's uh, 79 or 80 and his words to me were I asked him his advice what advice he would give me he said number one take care of your health he said I think you're doing that number two have enough money you don't have to have a lot of money, but enough money to finance your lifestyle. And number three, pursue your passions. Do the things that you really want to do. And whether it be continuing to work or working some and pursuing other things. And it sounds to me like, my friend, that uh, you're doing all those. You're staying active. You're healthy. You yeah. Know? No, life's been good. I, I know you've had some health issues in the past, and you work through them, and uh, you're looking great, sound great. You're mentally sharp as ever. Yeah, no, it's a it just got to get out and do it. Like I said, is <laughs> the opportunity. There's only so many mango seasons left. You got to get out and and, and, and and do it now. For those who might be curious, tell us what your occupation was. I was a pharmacist, and uh, maybe that's why I have such a chip to go do things now because I saw so many folks that. Uh, you could just see we're not we're not making the most of the opportunities that they had. You just, it's sad. As you were handing them their prescriptions. Yeah, and worked a lot in nursing homes, and uh, I haven't found one yet I want to live in. How much of that, John, do you think truly motivated you to say, you know, damn it, I'm going to do things now while I can? Oh, it, it, it's certainly an, a lot because I'd go in there and I would see people that, you know, six months ago, we're up walking around a town and then they'd have a stroke or they'd have some other health issue come up on them. And now you, they're in the nursing home and they couldn't do it. Right. They kept putting it off, putting it off. And now it's too late. And so, you know, if you have the, have the means and the desire to do something and it's not going to affect, you know, you got to got to be a little cautious, but uh, do it. You know, I just I'm keep active until... Uh, do all the hard stuff now. Do the easy stuff later on when you're sitting there. Well, all the time I've known you, you've always been a planner. You, you don't spend all of your money. You save money. You're frugal. You finance stuff. 
and to, you design your money rather to finance the lifestyle you want to live. And I think that's what has allowed you at your age to do the things you want to do without fear of running out of money. You're doing things you want to do uh, on your schedule and the way you want to do it. I, I admire you for that. I but, think it's great. Well, John, to be honest, you know, if I had a lot more, I'd have a nicer boat. But, <laughs> but somebody wrote, I forgot who it was, and, and it probably messed it up, but he said basically, go small, but go now. So if I keep waiting and waiting, you'll never get there. And uh, so, you know, take you, you, you know, you can make, you can, you can have the same, I have the same trip as the people in the nicer boats. Might not be quite as pretty or as fast, but I can do the same things. And so you make little sacrifices, but I'm still accomplishing what I wanted to do. And uh, that little bit of difference hasn't really been, uh, hasn't affected me. And it's your boat on your terms. Absolutely, your absolutely. Like I said, I could, I'd like to have a little nicer boat, but um, it, there isn't any place that I want to go that this boat is not capable of taking me. Nice, very nice. That's good, John. I appreciate the information and the uh, stories. John, is there anything that you would like to close with as far as any <laughs> words of wisdom, ideas, anything? No, I just, uh, you know, same as before. Uh, if if you're still healthy and can do things, you just need, just can't say it enough. You need to uh, need to go do it. Um, no time like the present. John Dunwoody, thank you so much for doing this. I know this wasn't planned. This was doing a review and then boom, we jump right into it. So thank you for taking the time to do this. And folks, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. Uh, I get the pleasure of seeing John two or three times a year and it's amazing to hear his stories about what he's doing, and uh, it motivates me. So, John, thank you again. 2020-92580 expires January 2022. If you would like to know more about John Curry services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Chartered Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities, products, and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances, not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System. The Living Balance Sheet and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Copyright 2005-2018. through This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and opinions stated are their own.